You pressed play on this podcast with the click of curiosity. It is another dimension, a dimension of mind, a dimension where nothing is sacred and everything is explainable. You're streaming into a land of both inside and outside of things and ideas. You've just crossed over into the midside. Welcome to the midside where we're sick of this season. I mean year and we're ready for it to be over. That was a little bit of a Freudian slip as a uh, Patriot and uh, Clemson fan. Uh, DJ Uyungle will always be what I associate with this football season. And also the tragedy, I don't want to say the tragedy of Mac Jones, but I feel like the disservice that's being done to Mac Jones. And that's all I'll say on that because I know some of you listening to this were waiting to hear what I had to say. I'm your host, Justin Emlesneski the hopeful bromantic, and I retroactively and proactively denounce anything that has ever been said and ever will be said on this show. This is our year-end wrap-up show, our awards, the Peak Farce Awards, and if you enjoyed the podcast this year, or this is the first time you're listening to it and you enjoy our awards show, please donate to our Patreon or our Locals account. The Patreon is per episode the locals is per month that's the midside.com slash patreon or the midside.com slash locals now let me bring in my co-host joining me this trip from dale's lawn dale's lawn identifying as a woman to forgo his white male gay privilege william green hello hello yes i dressed up for the occasion got my michigan hoodie on uh, my formal michigan hoodie uh, for this, Stop uh, rubbing it in! This prestigious <laughs> award ceremony. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I, I, some... I want to be clear. Wait, I want to be clear. <laughs> I have my five Super Bowl Edelman Let cut me off be clear. <laughs> hoodie thing on. So it still has prestige. But our okay. prestige is just in the past, okay? Uh, Hold right. on, let me, I gotta wipe some tears off my face right now. <laughs> oh, man. What a uh, what a time, man! We've got uh, a, it's been a great uh, a great year. Um, we've got so many awards to give out, and I'm I've I think we got some uh, surprises and some uh, and some some bangers. So I can't wait. I think we've got some surprises, but I will preface the whole thing with that. As I was looking back and and tabulating all the nominations and coming to our conclusions. I was surprised at how little progress was made this year. And mm. I think I think that's sort of a good way to look at everything overall. So as we head into it here, just think about that. I don't think there was a lot of progress. I think a lot of things stayed the same. Let's address that in Life on the Midside. People are still texting me about the ending of that Patriots game. Like, stop. <laughs> stop. Like, I know you've been waiting to kick us for 20 years, but come on, people. There's a lot more farce to talk about in the world. And we're going to do that right now by summing up the most farcical news stories of the year. The most farcical news stories of the year. But first, we're going to start with some honorable mentions. 
which I will say at first, William, when I was coming up with this before I asked for help from you and Daniel, I was like, ah, this is going to be tough. There wasn't a lot this year as far as farcical news stories. And I sent a few. And then you and Daniel just sort of unloaded on me. And I was like, this is a lot harder than I thought it was. Yeah. We had so much. Well, because I don't know, maybe this year just felt long. But some of the stuff that was said in here, I didn't even realize was this year. Yeah. So, like, one thing we didn't even mention that is this year that I don't even have here under the honorable mentions of the top five. uh, Inflation. Uh, yeah. I just like I guess I sort of just chalked that up to like last year in the pandemic because it's it's really just a consequence of that. Right, right. Yeah. For most of us, we, we, we sort of called that way back then. We're like, wow, this is going to be this is a giant glacier that's just going to crush us all. And uh, now it is. So it's not really it doesn't feel like news, right? It doesn't feel new. It's like, oh, well, yeah, of course this is happening. Right. That's why I got when uh, they sent me enough checks. I just got fed up and was like, you know what? I'm just going to buy a 75 inch TV because I was like at a certain point doing the smart thing and putting these checks into savings was actually the dumb thing. And it was better to get a material (laughs) thing because the material thing would be more expensive in the long run. So hopefully I hit the right uh, the right pivot point there. I don't think that's the word, but you get what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. All right. So on to some uh, honorable mention. And I think the, the first honorable mention we have to, to, to mention is a recent story. The fucking guy keeps stealing luggage, William. Like, <laughs> what? <laughs> how many times oh, is this going to happen? Yeah, the, uh, the Biden non-binary official uh, stealing women's expensive luggage. And this is such a and farcical clothing, story. Actually, we've got, it's the clothing. That's, uh, that's the thing. This is, uh, this so it's is not just serious- a bag? Well, I'm I'm thinking this is like serious mental mental issues. So, right, and the clothing would be the key thing, right? And that's why it's such a farcical story. It has all these elements, and it really shows that hey, maybe underlining what's everything and what's going on is our minds, right? Uh, and then when we're talking about that, the next honorable mention is the Johnny Depp versus Amber Heard trial. You want to talk about people who got psychological stuff going on and wow. embodying all the issues. Big we literally narcissist. saw, <laughs> yeah. right, narcissism on display. And we saw litigating of the gender war in the courtroom. And this is all while these people are trying to launch franchises with Disney and Warner Brothers. So there were, there were so many elements here. And then, William, of course, when we're talking about um, narcissism and we're talking about psychological issues on display, we have to mention canceling Kanye. Yep. Mental, I mean, I mean mental issues causing uh, and, and cancel culture mixing. It's a uh, it's a crazy thing. Yeah, and I'll always remember the the videos on Twitter of the guy with a like a mask on, yeah, saying like absurd shit about Hitler, and everyone's like, "Oh, it's just Kanye. He just sometimes he wears a mask like that." We're just going with this now. We're just going that sometimes Kanye wears a mask and says things about Nazis. That's just a thing now. All right, let's go to the top five. All right, number five. Will Smith slaps Chris Rock at the Oscars. So, William, I will tell you what makes this so farcical for me. What makes this so farcical for me is 
the intersection of performative culture and race and masculinity. Yeah. And yeah, masculinity, because by all accounts, Will Smith should not be defending his wife. But because he was so concerned with what people thought about him, he had to. To the point that in the year he finally won the Oscar for Best Actor, he had it taken away because he had to defend someone who wasn't on his side. Yeah, the incredible toxic femininity on display too, right? Where he goes from from taking the joke as it was to uh, being manipulated by someone who clearly is abusing him emotionally uh, and, and, and then send him on, on, on up to the stage, you know, to defend her. It, it, by slapping. A, yeah. By slapping. slapping. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't even punch him. Like if he had punched him, I would have been like, all right, I got it. But like his slapping was sort of like even him admitting implicitly that what he was doing was stupid. Yep. It was like, I can't even, and not an actual right. issue. Right. He, he didn't actually want to hurt Chris Rock. He just wanted to demonstrate that he was upset at him. Yep. All right. Do you want, do you want to announce number four? All right. Number William? four. And all the, that it takes is a nice blue and yellow flag. The Ukraine invasion and all the madness surrounding it. So what made it so farcical for you? I think watching the NPC script get downloaded into everyone's brains all simultaneously, all of a sudden everyone was a Ukraine expert, um, and and the narratives on all on, on multiple sides of this issue just were just instantly taken up by everyone, and uh, and it's just been absurdity after absurdity, just like the propaganda coming out of Ukraine and people just swallowing it whole and. You know, the Russians doing these things in the first place and everyone defending Russia like they need to defend themselves against NATO. Like, what an absurd position to take. Um, you know, uh, they, they when did when did you stop beating your wife on steroids is basically what it is. I don't know, Justin, what did you find farcical about the Ukraine invasion? Well, it, it's it, it's tough for me. It's tough for me because... I have Eastern European heritage, and I don't remember, I don't know if you remember that I said that, uh, the concern here is, are they going to stop at Ukraine, or are they going to go right into Poland? And then, of right. course, later in the year, there was, like, the the random strike on Poland. Remember, it was that a missile strike? Yeah. 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 So, like, maybe I wasn't too far off. But it's very weird for me to see you defending Ukraine and being against Russia invading Eastern Europe being a sort of left-wing online virtue signal. Yeah. Because, like, they do it in, like, a sanctimonious way. Like, I'm better than you. I'm, you know, a holier-than-that way of, like, oh, I'm against Russia, and I'm pro-Ukraine. It's like, no, you're not pro-Ukraine. You're only saying you're pro-Ukraine to show that you're anti-Russia, which really is coded for anti-Trump, because that's what really all of this is is they're all doing it because they think Trump is friends with Putin, right? He thinks they they all think that uh, Putin put Trump into office, right? It was the Russian manipulation of that election. They got Trump in office, yeah, the, which makes it Russian all host. very right, which makes it all very weird for me because traditionally Russia 
and the the Iron Curtain has more in line with the far left than not. And these people, as you said, don't really know or give a shit about Ukraine, especially like, does Ukraine really know or give a shit about Ukraine? And I don't mean the people. I mean, this led into the president and his wife doing that photo shoot. Yeah. Like, what is this? The fucking Hunger Games? Like, Jesus fucking Christ. All right, number three, and perhaps William has more to say about this than I do, <laughs> but I think uh, this will be the last time we hear about these next, let, let me just preface this, these next three stories, this won't be the last time we hear about them as we go into our awards. Uh, the number three story of the year was FTX's collapse. FTX was, of course, the crypto, what were they, an exchange, William? Yep, what exchange. exactly was their business? Yep, they were an exchange, but then they also had an uh, investment arm. Alameda Research, which was totally separate, Justin, even though the you know, SBF's uh, girlfriend was the CEO of one. Yeah, and didn't they, like, take money from yeah, Alameda? Took, in fact, their... Yeah, Alameda, Alameda had no uh, stop loss, uh, so they could basically just borrow, leverage as much money and, and, and just keep doubling down. It would be like at the casino and having an empty black hole as your pocket and just being able to just pull more money out all the time. But eventually right, they ran what... out of customer funds. Right. And I think what makes it so farcical for me, William, is what you just said, is there is such a high level of corruptness with this, I don't even want to say company, with this organization from the guy saying he advocates effective altruism, right, to the, you know, like you said, his girlfriend and the embezzlement. Yet, yeah. How many celebrities endorse this thing, including Tom Brady? Yeah. All that money was just tossed around how many he 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 donated uh well we'll get into that stuff uh maybe possibly later in the show but like donating to both sides trying advocating for regulation of crypto uh, specifically in a way that would uh i don't even like to use the word crypto i'm a kind of a bitcoin purist right everything else is a scam to me a shit coin but um but trying to get everything to be regulated uh they they're basically pro centralization against privacy all these things uh basically towing towing what you know, Senator Warren would want to do, let's say, to crypto. And then being just so corrupt, right? Like just basic fraud was being done, right? This is, you don't need, you don't need to understand a lot of intricate uh, business uh, to understand that they were just committing fraud. It was just a mark to market fraud, just like Enron. All right. The number two story. William, you go ahead and announce it. Musk buys Twitter, and oh boy, is the farce never ending on this one, Justin? Like, it's uh, there's stuff even happening today, and it's uh, it's getting crazy. And uh, you know, we don't want to date the episode since the award shows are timeless. But uh, but this uh, this there's a uh, this the sky is falling narrative uh, on Twitter. You know, Elon's did the worst person ever, and uh, he's destroying Twitter. I I, I see it like everywhere, um, and then. And then you have people who are just like along for the ride and just enjoying, you know, it, taking some pleasure out of seeing folks who the ban hammer never affected before all of a sudden have rules applied to them, Justin. The humanity. The rules should apply to journalists. We all know this. We learned it. You, you learned it in kindergarten, right? Yeah, I mean, I think that and I don't want to like give too much away because we're going to check back on this. I mean, I think for me, this is so farcical because, you know, you mentioned one specific point. 
but I think it sort of showed what we've been saying on this show for, I think, the entirety of our run in regards to Mm. people who try to control the narrative and people who try to control the conversation and that it was being done on Twitter in a very real way. And I think they it shows how many of us were being gaslit. And I use that in the, the actual psychological use of the, the term where there was a certain type of community on there. And if we acted like there wasn't, we were told we were the crazy and the sensitive ones when really it was that way. Yeah. And I can't remember who uh, just published an article this week, just basically just telling, saying the same thing. It might've been someone like Barry Weiss or someone, but uh, I'll, I'll, I'll maybe find it in a second, but they were saying like, we've, it's been, it's so rare when you have been knowing what reality is and being told that you're a conspiracy theorist or kooky or it's not happening. And then just have just all this evidence come out. Right. And just, it's, it's irrefutable at this point. And there's still people trying to gaslight people and say that every every one of these uh, uh, stories is is just a nothing burger, and then that's well, it's sort of that's well, crazy, it's sort of right. The crazy it is right. And I think crazy is the right word because it's sort of if you tell enough a lie enough times, you start to believe it yourself. I think if you gaslight somebody else enough times, you start to gaslight yourself. Does that make sense? Yeah. So you tell people there's a delusional world, like a, a delusion out there, and you start to believe the delusion. And I think that's what this story is. I think, of course, that also leads into our number one story of the year, which I think covers all the others. And I think that's why I sort of wanted it to be the number one. Because as we discussed, there is such a thin line between these, even the top three. Right, Even the top three, any of them could have been the number one story. So what I picked for the number one story of this year is Florida's parental rights and education bill being nicknamed and gaslit as the don't say gay bill. And William, the reason I picked this is it's the intersection of corporatism and Paul, I would just say corporatism. I don't even need to say the intersection. It's corporatism, right? When we see the way this created such a rift between the state of Florida and Walt Disney World, the Disney Corporation. Um, It also shows how the left uses media to create false narratives around things. There is nothing in the bill about not saying about there's nothing in the bill about saying the word gay. There's nothing in the world about in the, the bill about not teaching about homosexuality it just talks about you know how you should teach first through third graders and certain things you shouldn't talk about with them it's not a speech code it's simply saying what is appropriate in regards to sexual education in school yeah and i think the other the other the other aspect of this that that i connected with was this idea that parents are not suitable for teaching their children and that and that every every that the experts quote unquote in the in the government school system the fiat school system is it should never be questioned and that this was that how dare parents express through the legislature and that school boards because it's you know this is this was coming from the grassroots as well 
what they wanted taught to their children. How dare they? And and that, you know, you talked about it in the last story too, right? This this sort of this disconnect between reality and 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 this concept of well, the who who whose children are these? Uh, really comes up, and I think that that's that's part of this farce that that really connected with me. Yeah, and when you're talking about whose children are these, that's a lot of what comes up with this idea of grooming and everything. You know, I'm yeah. not necessarily on board with this whole. There's a grand conspiracy of pedophiles. Although I will say, I get why people are. There's a lot of specious evidence out there for that. But that's where that comes up when you're talking about who do the children belong to the parents or the school system. Because the idea of, and uh, you know, our former co-host Daniel made this point to me, the idea of that education is the only right you're punished for not exercising. Right? The idea that parents can be sent to jail for child abuse for not sending their kids to public school if the kids skip school. Well, that's basically saying the kids belong to the school and not to the parents. And that sort of leads into a couple other things you said that I want to highlight. This story emphasizes sort of the grassroots movement of reforming the education system, where people got a good look at what was really going on during COVID and they didn't like it. And it not only affected Florida, the Virginia's governor's race was very much affected by this. And then also the idea that, you know, from a teacher's perspective, the idea, William, remember we saw stories about people in Orange County here that were worried about not being able to talk to their students about their personal lives? Right. Or, 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 oh, I can't have the picture of my significant other on my desk or something. Right. Right. Now, first of all, you can still have the picture. But second of all, I don't have the picture. You know, I have pictures on my phone or my phone screensaver or my watch screensaver. And, you know, maybe kids see it sometimes. And, you know, athletes have met my wife and stuff because she's around, you know, the the tournaments and such. But I don't want to talk to kids about my personal life. The only time I want to bring it up is if I have an experience that can demonstrate to them that I'm not some crackpot and I actually know what I'm talking about and what I've been through is relevant to them. But the idea that... There are teachers who want to share their personal life, and that's how they want to connect with the students. That shows that not only is there an issue with the way the school system is run, but the type of people they're attracting to it and the type of people who are working in it. And again, I'm not making the groomer argument. I'm making a maturity argument. Do you see the yeah, difference? There's this aspect that you're supposed to bring your full self to work that I completely reject, right? And I, I, it's important to have boundaries, and being genuine, I would agree with, right? It's sort of an anti-concept, right? The bring your full self to work. In the case of teaching and, and, and just academics in general, I'd say even at the college level, the, the respect for boundaries is just non-existent, right? You're, you're, like, it, it's, it's, it's crazy. And, and it's infected, I think, uh, pre-K uh, all the way up to, uh, to high school now. There's, there's no respect for boundaries and and appropriateness between adults and children, right? There, you see these TikTok videos that lives of tic, uh, lives of TikTok posts all the time, and I'm just stunned when I like at how a clearly narcissistic some of these teachers are that 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 they're po- posting TikTok saying these things where they're clearly abuse dynamics, right? They're 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 disres- they're, they're 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 blowing up the boundary between adult and child. And and those are very similar to abuse tactics, and it's crazy to see. And uh, and this 
this story kind of encaps- encapsulates the response to that. Yeah, I mean, it's really interesting the way you're framing it with the lack of boundaries. Because, uh, I, I mean, I think that's sort of everywhere in society. And what you just said about not bringing your full self. Uh, I think we have this idea now with social media that we have to share all of ourselves at all time. When, ironically, I think the most successful influencers and content creators don't share all of themselves. When You can't really share all of yourself with anyone. And I think part of what being successful at life is is knowing where to get all of your needs met all the different places. And that can be sort of disconcerting, I think, for people, the idea that there isn't one place to meet your needs. And that that school or work isn't that one place. Right, Adam Carolla talks about this, the idea that everybody thinks they have to be 100% fulfilled at work. Right, I mean, I'm more fulfilled at coaching than I am with teaching. There are things that teaching fulfills, but coaching fulfills things more. And then, of course... I'm married and I have a a life outside of school that fulfills other things. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You can't get all your psychological needs from work. Or all your physical needs. Yeah. This is where the grooming conversation comes in. Exactly. (laughs) Right. This is where one of the stories we didn't talk about, the prosthetic breast comes in. Right. The teacher wore the prosthetic (laughs) breast. Uh, yeah, another honorable uh, honorable mention uh, that we couldn't mention because there's just too many this year. Yeah, that's a non-honorable mention. But if we're talking about boundaries, William, I think we need to respect the boundaries of the segments of the show. And let's go on to the awards. You All ready? Right. I'm ready. All right, are there any you want to hand out? We're going to do them in order, but which ones do you specifically want to hand out? Uh, I would like to do the uh, Tom Brady Medal for Greatness in the Face of Doubters for sure. Okay. And uh, and then uh, the John Rawls Social Justice Awards. I'll let you take the first one, which is Narcissist of the Year. Justin, who are our nominees? Okay, Narcissist of the Year. So before we do the nominees, let's take a, let's take a, a trip through history here, right? <laughs> uh, yes. As we, as we remember, the, the, multi-ti- uh, the multi-time winner of this award is Donald Trump, who has won, won this three times. And of course, the year he didn't win was the year he won the presidency because the narcissist of the year that year was Hillary Clinton. Kind of explains why Donald Trump was ever president. Yeah. And then, of course, we have the media, CNN. Oh, you forgot, and then, you forgot the, uh, the the first award winner. Yeah. The Obamacare architect, architect, Jonathan Gruber. Sounds like Hans Gruber's brother. Yeah. Uh, I you know I didn't want to say you that can because keep your, yeah. there's so many. Well, well, I mean you can keep your uh, keep your program your uh, health uh, insurance if you want to. Um, and then of course Gavin Newsom as exemplary of all governments who and governors who shut down their states for the pandemic. The idea that oh I can cure diseases and stop <laughs> nature just by biology shutting and physics. down. <laughs> I can de- I can defy biology and physics just by shutting down my people and making them stay in their homes. Then two of course weeks we have to stop the spread, Justin. Two weeks to stop the spread. And then that escalated to I am the science, Dr. Anthony Fauci from last year. So let, let's let's name this year's some of the nominees from you, the midsiders out there. Uh, Gavin Newsom was nominated a couple times again because this That's time true. he he very specifically went after Florida, as if somehow uh, 
he was right and Florida was wrong over everything that happened. And somebody pointed out that he was uh, trying to gaslight the Floridians by making it seem like they didn't have freedom here. We don't have freedom here. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Um, And then somebody nominated Kanye. I mean, I I think that's kind of well taken. Uh, Justin Trudeau. Uh, Yeah, if anybody knows what's going on up there in Canada, uh, he's sort of like the Canadian Gavin Newsom. Uh, I appreciate somebody nominating Giselle Bunchton, right, for uh, what she did to Tom Brady's career. I think that's yeah. a good nomination. What do you think, William? Yeah, that's pretty good. I mean, I believe he would still be playing in New England if it wasn't for her. And then, of course, they get divorced in season, not out of season. The whole thing's ridiculous. And then, of course, the nomination we are going to accept, the 2022 Narcissist of the Year, Sam Bankman-Fried. Of Congratulations. FTX. Congratulations. So narcissistic, he tried to use crypto and use the, uh, the the image of cryptocurrency and Bitcoin to defraud everyone and tried to rebrand altruism as a way of getting everyone to give him money. And I think finally he's going to jail, isn't he? Uh, yeah, he's being extradited. Last I heard. So, uh, yeah, I think he's going to I don't think he's going to make that Senate hearing um, that he was going to be called in front of or whatever it was. But, but that uh, doesn't prove yeah, that we I just mean, reward parties, narcissism. Yeah, both parties are going to be out a big donor. I mean, he was the number one donor, apparently, for both parties last election cycle. So it's this is this is just I, I've seen so many interviews with him. Coffeezilla over on YouTube has been doing a great job of breaking down a lot of this stuff. And he's been in some Twitter spaces, interviewed uh, SBF and just the the sheer levels of like disconnection from reality is amazing like there's this one clip justin of him basically explaining the cryptocurrency as a as a scam he, he the way he explains it is a scam like it's clearly just a ponzi when when you hear him explain it this is him explaining it like and and like not a no, no self awareness that he's describing a ponzi scheme it it's just absolutely crazy and well, I think what makes him such a narcissist is it's unclear how aware he is of what he's doing or not. Because there is some le- a level of awareness, but it's just yeah. how aware he is. Yeah. And and then the uh, Alameda uh, uh, head, uh, the chick, his girlfriend, apparently, uh, her just saying, I don't use math or I don't basically I don't use any math harder than addition. And. It's like, okay, this is the person who's using crazy algorithms, supposedly, to be a market maker. Uh, okay. Yeah. Just the, 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 the sheer concentrated narcissism um, in, this, uh, in the circle of this, uh, this person is uh, amazing. So congratulations. Narcissist of the year. Sam Bankman-Fried. All right, William. You want to do the John Rawls Social Justice Warrior Trophy for the Advancement of a Batshit Crazy Ideology, correct? Yes. I do want to do this one. So uh, you'll have to do the nominees because I don't have the nominees. But uh, I can look back in time and we can remember such uh, esteemed previous winners as uh, BuzzFeed on the 12 female characters who keep shaving despite constant peril. Uh, And then we also have the Fidel Castro eulogizers. God, that was a fiasco. Um, and then 2017 winner, Antifa. Um, uh, and then AOC winning multiple times, uh, two, 
in the in the following years, 2018 and 2019, and then yeah, she was sort of the first um, sort of left wing uh, influencer on social media. So yeah. that was sort of she said the she said the uh, uh, not the paradigm, the blueprint for that. Yep. And then uh, let's not forget the 2020 uh, professional sports uh, uniform virtue signaling, which was just got way out of hand. I mean, it's still going on. Just you saw yeah, today, right? On, in the back of yeah, the, it's on the, the back of everyone's, on the back of everyone's helmet and the sidelines. What are we fucking I gotta, doing? Not only do I have to watch Jacoby Myers throw a ball 30 yards backwards to Mac Jones as if he's somehow going to catch it or tackle a defensive player. I got to see end racism while he's doing that. Like either of those things are going to accomplish anything in that moment. I'm watching two futile things at once. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and uh, hopefully uh, first of many, I'm sure, uh, potential award winnings uh, coming for Robin D'Angelo for Nice Racism, her follow up to White Fragility. But Justin, before I say who won this year, who were the nominees? Uh, The nominees. Okay, I was wondering what you were saying because I was like, wait, you have the spreadsheet. Hold on. The nominees this year, we have uh, Greta Thunberg, which seemed to me like reaching to the past unless she did something new. Disney, which, of course, I mean, that could be given almost any year, right? (laughs) Yeah. Gavin Newsom, which, again, I think Gavin Newsom, these two negative awards he could win. Um, And then this was a story we talked about on this podcast Emily Ratajkowski with her balancing out her son's interest by buying him dolls discussion on her podcast. I think this is a good nominee. My problem with it is I don't know how many people are actually influenced by that beyond her son. Obviously, we feel bad for her son. I feel bad for her son. I shouldn't say we. And, you know, she has a podcast. I don't know many how many people listen to it, but it is pretty batshit crazy. However, it's not the best nominee. The best nominee, William, is the winner, which is... The good old Twitter content moderation team in Twitter 1.0. Boy, did we see some cool shit coming out with uh, all the Twitter files. And by cool, I mean horrific. There were... It was so clear that they were using post hoc rationalization for almost all of their um, their bans. They were feeling like they were... Uh, saving democracy, right? And no self-awareness uh, or care that they, that they're, you know, that they have this philosophical blind spot called the social justice and just running rampant over, um, over people say, admitting that, oh, there's no, there's no direct violation of policy, but we're just going to, you know, ban this person anyway or suspend this person anyway. Just tons of stuff like this. And, and, Culminating with, of course, banning Donald Trump, suspending Donald Trump. So, Justin, I, what I do think you think? The, I think the best way to sum it up, William, everything you just said is two accounts that popped back into my feed recently. One uh, was, you remember Sargon of Akkad or however you said his Sargon name? Sargon of Akkad, yeah. Yeah. He's back now. Yeah, he, I didn't even remember him. And he's back under his, his government name, I guess we could say, Carl Benjamin. Yeah. Right? And... I, I go on to Twitter, and I don't go on often, and I for, I forgot all this was going on, and I start seeing this Carl Benjamin guy in my feed saying stuff that's, like, interesting, but I don't necessarily agree with, because some stuff he says is really good, and some of it's sort of like, oh, well, okay, that gives me something to think about. And I'm like, who the fuck is Carl Benjamin? And then I look <laughs> at it, and I go, this motherfucker was just unbanned. 
And then, like, a few days later, uh, the Meninist account came back. Ah, the Meninist. I was excited about that. I, I was really excited when they came back because that was some of the most fun on Twitter because it, it had fun with the idea of loving being a man and making fun of the, the farce of the way women act in our current culture. But, of yeah. course... For no reason, like you said, they were banned for for no reason. They didn't actually say any. They never ever say anything ha- hateful. It's never yeah. like, oh, you know, women are evil. Fuck women. It's always just like, look at this absurd thing, or look at how great men are, right? But of course, they had to be banned. And I think both of those accounts. One, this shows how people can be forgotten, right? I forgot about somebody who got a good following going and made a name for himself. And then also, yeah. the Meninist account had over a million followers. Still does. And they were just wiped away. That's crazy. Right? I understand, like, wanting to control the content on your platform, but when the accounts get that big and then you decide after the fact to get rid of them, mm-hmm. that's... No. It's just... That's batshit it's batch crazy. Is it not? It is. It is. You You ride on the backs of these people that are providing things, building an audience, and then immediately just pull the rug out right out, out from under them, right? You change the rules and, uh, or, or just not even have rules. You just decide that they're not politically convenient any longer or you're against their political views. So therefore goodbye. Moving on to the Tom Brady medal for greatness in the face of doubters. Take us down memory lane, William. Oh man. Well, of course, two time winner, Tom Brady. Uh, for the first uh, couple years. And then Zack Snyder for the ultimate edition of Batman versus Superman, uh, who Zack Snyder followed up in, in 2019 uh, for the uh, release of the Snyder Cut uh, promotion. So that was in 2019. That was when and it then, got hugely trending, remember? And even like mm-hmm. Affleck and Godot got involved. Yeah. And then 2017, who could forget? We gave it to the anonymous creator of Bitcoin, Satoshi. Uh, and then, um, during the pandemic, Dr. Drew got it for his pandemic coverage. And, uh, and as an exemplary of, uh, all the people who weren't afraid to say the pandemic wasn't as bad as we were being told. And then, uh, and then in 2021, we gave it to Jeff Bezos because he finally went to space. He put his, uh, rocket where his ass was and launched himself into space. So good for him. So who were the nominees this year? So Tom Brady was, of course, nominated again. Of course. Uh, I, I don't know for what, but I think it's the same person who uh, nominated Giselle for Narcissist of the Year. So hey, Justin, was it I, you? It wasn't me. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody, I somehow found someone exactly like me who listens to the show. So thank you, whoever you are. Uh, Ron DeSantis was nominated for this award. I don't know how he was doubted, though. I mean, maybe this was submitted by somebody who lives in California but I don't think most people doubted him. I think uh, in but- Florida, I think that's probably true. I think I think you're right though, Justin. Outside, like they're like the way that every every time you see DeSantis being covered by news outside of Florida, it's always framed as like a disgraced or befuddled governor, right? Or or a damaged and, and decaying state. Yeah, it's a. Uh- that is not how it is here at all in Florida. Nobody thinks he's deranged or crazy. Uh- We'll talk about it. Hold on to that thought. That's going to come up again. (laughs) I don't want to give too much away. 
And then uh, somebody nominated Tom Cruise for becoming an incredible action star at 60. Uh, I, yeah. I would say remaining, not becoming. But yeah, I mean, I, I think that uh, um, that's, a, that's a good honorable mention here. Right, Tom Cruise. And then, of course, multiple people nominated the winner. William, go ahead. My former boss, Elon Musk. Congratulations for the Tom Brady Medal for Greatness in the Face of Doubters. Man, oh man, is there such a doubt everywhere? We have, we have mentioned it a little bit. The nar- whole narrative around the Twitter purchase, uh, um, the uh, the truck, the uh, the uh, the uh, cyber truck, the uh, semi truck, the uh, everything he's doing with uh, with uh, Starlink and all these other things, all kind of coalesce into the Twitter thing. I think where people are just are just insane about this uh, this person being so transparent and changing the rules publicly and talking about them and taking feedback and uh, and changing the rules again. And the chaos is uh, obviously not sustainable, and I don't like all the decisions he's making, but uh, but I don't doubt him the way that these uh, these uh, these uh, many in the uh, former blue checkmark uh, Twitter 1.0 blue checkmark crew have have been saying. And and Justin, there's there's been a turn on Elon, right? Ever since the he sort of the pandemic, right? There's the, the media sort of turned on Elon to try to paint him as some conservative, right? When yeah. uh, I think the Overton window has just passed him by, right? Yeah, I don't think the, 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 I can't think of a single position that he's really changed on necessarily from back in my SpaceX days. I mean, I was never too familiar with his his point of view. What what I will say is, I in fact was a doubter. I doubted yeah. he was even going to to buy Twitter. I doubted he was even serious about it. And, and, you know, maybe you are more versed in this than I am, William. Was there anything about the courts that forced him to go through with the sale? Or was this all part of his? Because it seems to me, the reason I'm comfortable giving him this award is, it seems to me this was all intentional as a way of sort of controlling the narrative and getting all this, this information out there. Yeah, I think, I think, I don't think that it was necessarily all planned out, but like, like step by step, but I think that there was a plan, a general plan, and a way, and this this aligns with Elon's way in a lot in a lot of ways. Um, everything from just the way that we see him coming in with like a wrecking ball, and and we know that he will uh, he will put a CEO that is more stabilizing in. That's how SpaceX works. That's how Tesla works. Um, and so, him, is that the purpose him, of his current poll? Where he's like, should I be in charge oh, anymore? No, without a doubt, without a doubt, I, I, I would be. This is this. He he is not going to be CEO of Twitter for 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 very long. He'll he'll obviously still own it, right? He'll still yeah be involved in decisions and things. But like he he will find some stabilizing force. But I mean, I, Elon looked at Twitter and said, "Hey, since May, they're on the road to bankruptcy, and that's why he's stirring the pot so much." And if anything. All this publicity and all this attraction and attention is is probably good for this space. It's shaking up social media, right? And like, you know, I've have, I've have a friend, a uh, uh, midsider that's listening that uh, that is very down on 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 Elon and like uh, this this he's going to run Twitter into the ground and just the, the, the that whole narrative. And I'm just like, I don't know that that's a certainty. Like, sure, every social media platform eventually goes the, the way of MySpace, right? But I don't know that. I think that Twitter was already dying before he bought it. Like that's clear. It's never made money. So, right. uh, so 
there's a there's a non-zero chance that it, it will die. But I don't think Elon will be necessarily the cause of it. Right, and that's that's the important thing to hold on to here. The question is, can he save it? And the fact that knowing that he might not be able to save it, he spent that much money. What was it, $44 billion? Yeah, yeah. $44 billion essentially to expose it, to expose how corrupt it was. And when I say corrupt, I mean morally corrupt, right? Because they were yeah. private business. They could run it however they wanted. But the, the issue was a moral corruption. Right? Yeah. And the, and, the, and the corruption that he's exposed, I don't think we have the greatness here. Just to really re- re- reconnect it, to zoom out. The greatness here is this is the tip of the iceberg. This is what was happening at Twitter, one of the smallest social networks. What's going on on YouTube? On Facebook, right? Like, if if it was this bad at Twitter, do you think it was better, Justin, or worse at Facebook? Do you think they're more connected or less connected at YouTube? I mean, I already know. Yeah. And that should be scary. Everyone who's spouting the NPC, oh, this is a nothing burger, all these leaks are nothing burgers. This is wake-up call, again, on the moral side, and maybe even on the legal side. The, the kind of uh, the kind of directed stuff coming from the FBI is it it, it looks a little sus, right? How it about on the personal side? Why isn't why aren't people looking at this as a way of saying why am I on social media so much? Yeah, shouldn't that be a wake up call for each of us now? <laughs> well, no. I mean, we've got to complain that our blue check marks are being taken away. You know, I saw a okay. yellow check mark today. Is that part of the new system? Uh, I think so. There was like a there's different for notable and politician and yeah, and then blue checkmark for something. Yeah, I don't know what the colors mean because I don't use the the real Twitter client. So, all right, well let's move on to the next award, William. I think we've got a good uh, patter here, a good rhythm with you going through the history, me doing the nominees, and I'll all award right. the next three. How about that? Okay, we'll do it all then. Right. So we got the Zack Snyder Awesomeness Award is up next. So, gosh, I, I've always loved every year when we bring up this story, Justin. Remember when Firestone uh, uh, fought Ebola in Africa more effectively than any government? Yeah. Like, like that's the kind of stuff we're talking about here for Zack Snyder Awesome. And then, and then six years later, we thought the government could fight a disease. Remember yeah. that? Yeah. Yeah. Isn't it crazy? And then why didn't, Fisher... we just, why didn't we just hear, uh, hey, there's a disease coming from China. Let's get Firestone on it. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, Carrie Fisher, um, for her defense of Slave Leia. Boy, I wish she was still around. Um, Uber and Lyft for leaving Austin. They basically taking their ball and going home after the anti-rideshare regulations. Um, and then the Patriots for their comeback victory. Man, remember when the Patriots were good, Justin? And then no uh, <laughs> the Dave Rubin for starting Locals and, 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 and standing up to Patreon. Oh, there's another Patreon. Uh, can you imagine what Patreon is uh you know, we, we saw it with Sar- sargon is another one that was banned from patreon um and then the hong kong protesters uh and in 2019 and then and we're still seeing the effects of the hong kong protesters today with the protesters going on about how they're handling the pandemic still in china i think i'm, I'm, I'm even hearing rumors uh and this is uh, unverified that things being sent to taiwan too so like it's not it's trickling the, the, the whole region is uh is brimming with uh some uh, anti uh, Winnie the Pooh fervor, um, 
And then in 2020, we had Christopher Nolan uh, for pushing Tenet into theaters and, and getting movie theaters back open. Uh, That's one of my personal favorite awards yeah. we've given. I think it's very underappreciated what Nolan was doing, standing up for his values there. I would even say that that's a pre-Elon Musk move yeah. of buying Twitter. Yeah. Yep. And then um, Ron DeSantis won last year for keeping Florida free despite the... the uh... Floor ever purge. So, Justin, who were the nominees this year? Uh, Elon Musk won, got a couple nominees again. Um, Dr. Jordan B. Peterson. I'm not sure what he did this year. Uh, somebody nominated Henry Cavill, which is very well taken considering everything <laughs> that's going on, considering uh, how everyone in Hollywood is fucking with him. You know, got rid of him in The Witcher, got rid of him in DC as Superman, and then he was like, fuck it, I'm just going to make a Warhammer movie. Good for you, Henry Cavill. I don't know if I'm going to be a Taking, fan of your work. Go ahead. He's taking nerddom seriously. I like it. Yeah. Right. Like he's a nerd uh, in the in the in the capital N sense, the good sense, and uh, and yeah, he's like I I'm tired of this fucking up of IP. I'm going to try it on my own. Good for him. Yeah, and even if he wasn't a nerd, he was doing whatever he thought was right. Like just good for him for doing that. And then somebody n- nominated the, the James Webb. Web telescope for expanding astronomical data capture. You want to talk about fucking nerdy, dude? Like, I don't know what does yeah. it even fucking mean. Well, we've looked back further in the universe than we've ever than ever been possible. It was a, it's very like cool back in time. Years. Well, yeah, when you look out, you're looking back in time. So it's uh it's uh the some the pictures of the early universe were only just now starting to understand some of the data. It's going to take years and years to sift through all the data, and it's going to be it's going to collect data for years to come as well so it's going to be fascinating i mean that's awesome but it's not as awesome as ron DeSantis continuing to be a total badass here in florida i mean the way he he stood up to disney uh the way he we have to really talk about the election remember when florida was a swing state he was like 20 (laughs) percent in favor of DeSantis and 15 to 20 percent in favor of Almost every other Republican candidate in and the state. And didn't Florida launch the rocket that put the James Webb telescope into space? I mean, come on. Did it? Probably. Yes. yes. <laughs> Only possible because of Ron DeSantis. <laughs> I'm not serious with that. But, I mean, you see why yeah. I decided to call an audible here and give this to Ron DeSantis, yes? Yes. It makes a lot of sense. Uh, it, it, the, uh, you know, him... Uh, the way he treats the media, and I mean this in a positive sense, right? He 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 respects the people who respect him. Uh, he's quick with the information. He's to the point. Um, you don't you don't feel like you're just getting a, a spin or a narrative. Um, he seems like someone who, at least on some level, does understand freedom a bit. He's got a lot of mixed premises, but he's you know. You look out on the landscape, and he's a breath of fresh air compared to what we see uh, in almost any other governorship. All right, let's move forward to our final award we're going to give out, and then we'll, we will say what award you, the audience, gave out. The Romantic yep. Manifestation Award. Go ahead, take us down memory lane, William. Well, this is another great one, because we get to talk about some real awesome art. So Yeah, um, there's only one, one in this category that I really kind of... <clears throat> About, but whatever, yeah. go ahead. So Christopher Nolan for Interstellar, uh, Brian Fuller for Hannibal, 
Yeah, uh, Hannibal is so good. And then uh, Damien Chazelle for La La Land. Which, La La uh, Land is it's still like, I can't believe that was six years ago. It's, That's it such seems, a good movie. Yeah, it does not seem that, that long ago. And then Patty Jenkins for Wonder Woman, uh, particularly the No Man's Land scene. And, uh, see, you know, I just think funny. it was... Uh, go ahead. I was going to say, it's funny looking back on this one because it was clear after seeing Wonder Woman 1984 that it was really the writing that made the difference. So maybe uh, it's it's interesting to me that, we're, that we gave it to Patty Jenkins, but almost with hindsight, we could have probably just given it to Zack Snyder or whoever wrote the script. Because I don't think when 1984, when Patty Jenkins wrote and directed it, certainly didn't end up as good. Yeah, uh, I mean, Jeff Johns was more involved with 1984. And there were rumors that Snyder... Uh, Ghost directed the the No Man's Land scene, uh, especially because it mirrors that similar scene from Sucker Punch. So mm. I think that's sort of why we gave it. That was a rationalization. But it's like you said, everything that's happened since, uh, Patty Jenkins has become less and less impressive, where the rest of these award winners have become more and more impressive. Yeah, like, for example, Brad Bird for Incredibles 2. What yeah, I, I, I still think Incredibles 2 is better than Incredibles 1. So Yeah, yeah. And then uh, M. Night Shyamalan for Glass. Completely underrated movie. Yeah. And then uh, uh, Onward, Dan uh, Scanlon. And then last year, we gave it to Zack Snyder for Zack Snyder's Justice League. No surprise Finally, there. he got one. Finally, Finally, he got one. Yeah. So, who were the nominees this year, Justin? So, the nominees this year, we had two for Top Gun Maverick, which I agree is a good movie. It really exceeded my expectations. That honestly could have almost been greatness in the face of doubters. Because yeah. like Cobra Kai, I thought that was going to be shit, and it turned into gold, right? Yeah. Uh, Daniel T. Williams, the, the person who nominated, said, this guy is killing it, the show, the subs, surviving in a collectivist hellhole. I don't know who Daniel T. Williams is, do you? No. Uh, and or... Which uh, I have yeah. not seen. I have heard good things about. However, I will not watch a Disney Star Wars show. There's too fucking many of them. Uh, if you want to see something great about that, watch the Rick and Morty season six finale. They really went after Star Wars. It was quite good. Yeah. Somebody nominated The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, which is a good movie. It's one of the better movies of the year. But it's not the best. And the best is somebody else that... It's probably only been a matter of time until this director was going to win the Romantic Manifestation Award. Boz Lorman for Elvis. It's sort of, I think, appropriate that he won it for Elvis. You know, if it, if it was sort of destined that he would direct The Great Gatsby, it was destined he would direct Elvis as well. Because when you talk about the glitz and the glamour and the culture he was involved in, it, it, it fit Lerman's visual, visual sensibilities mm. very well. But yeah. I think what was so phenomenal about this movie for me, William, is the way the critiques of celebrity culture and the way the manager took advantage of Elvis still resonate today. It, it, it's, it's such not just a commentary on Elvis, but a commentary on America in general. And... It's interesting that something that happened so many years ago can still resonate today. And I think I think Lerman nails it. And while I haven't seen all of his works, it's definitely my favorite of the works he has done. So check that movie out. Uh, I did notice that 
Austin Butler was nominated for the Golden Globe for Best Actor. So his performance is also notable. A lot to check out there. Mm-hmm. All right, the final award before we wrap things up. The Peak Farce Audience Award. This is where this you, is... the audience, votes on the most farcical news story of the year. We Go shall ahead, never William. reach peak for farce, but with your help, we do find the peak farce for the year. Now, our first peak farce award was uh, for university safe space training says accepting homosexuality is homophobic. And if you read to your kids, you're unfairly disadvantages, disadvantaging others. So we had a tie that first year. Uh in 2017, uh, straight black men are the white people of black people. Uh, that and was an actual seen, headline. Well, yeah, but William, <laughs> I think it's important to note that that sort of, again, blueprint uh, yeah. has sort of lasted the test of time where people are saying that all the time. Yeah. And this is, of course, where I started identifying because uh, we found uh, similar stories that year about the uh, um, uh, male privilege and then gay men being privileged and, and once uh, marriage was legalized. So that's why I had to stop identifying as a gay man. Well, and this year, the you were the one who brought to our attention that the one of the founders of the Pride Parade was told he is anti-homosexual. Yeah, he's now. homophobic. Yeah, yeah, he is. He is definitely homophobic now and transphobic. Um, and of course, we could, couldn't forget 2018. Thanks for not raping us, all you good men. But it's not enough. Uh, great story from uh, 2018. We should post all these links in the show notes for just so people can remember these old stories because some of them are just hilarious to reread. Uh, 2019, uh, the story out of India. Do did you consent to being born? Why one man is suing his parents for giving birth to him? But then we enter the pandemic. In 2020, there were so many stories we just couldn't uh, pick. But you guys voted and said the pandemic coverage, just all of it, was just peak farce in 2020. And it got worse in 2021. We had the mandates. Masks, vaccines, boosters, and lockdowns all were voted as uh, peak farce for 2021. Justin, in 2022, who were the nominees for the peak farce award? Well, the nominees are all the news stories we've had for this year, so I'm not going to go into all of them. <laughs> Especially because the one we picked, the one, not we, the one you, the Midsiders, picked, uh, builds on the last two. Mm-hmm. So apparently you felt the same way William did, and you <laughs> voted for the Peak Farce Audience Award. Let's declare a pandemic amnesty in the Atlantic. Wow. And all I have to say is I think that I'm going to take part of the blame for the audience voting for this one because I think I had an epic rant um, uh, for uh, pandemic amnesty where uh, I, I, I still demand pandemic reparations. And Justin, I'm going to stand by that rant. Probably yeah, the best I mean, rant I, I, I've had on the show. It is the best rant you've had on the show and it's well taken. And I, I don't think that you are responsible for this. I think you just sort of echoed what a lot of our listeners think and yeah. i think our 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 listeners really got galvanized during the pandemic because remember we lost listeners and people got mad at us so the way we were approaching things yeah and i, th- I think the pandemic was really a uh, a uh pivot point focal point whatever the the term is i forget it. it's the second time i brought that concept up in this episode for a, a lot of people in our culture and it was sort of are you on the side of the forever purge or are you on the side of Ron DeSantis? And I don't mean to you say it's so to follow the science. 
Right. Are you on that side or, you know, are you on the side of Ron DeSantis? And I don't mean to say it so explicitly. You don't have to support DeSantis. Yeah. Yeah. But you get the point I'm making. Right. We, we yep. don't have to give DeSantis pandemic amnesty because he tried his best and he wouldn't ask for it. Whereas the people who fucked up just want to be like, oops, my bad. And for those of us who thought there was a tragedy going on the whole time, not being the deaths for them to admit there was a tragedy and then say, whoops, my bad. It's like, no, fuck off. We told you this the whole time. You even stopped fucking listening to our show about it. And now you just yeah. want amnesty because you're a pussy. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. And and to have to have people, this is, this looking at it from the outside, this is an, another example of an abuse tactic, right? Doing something wrong and then demanding the other forgive you for it, right? Giving, giving someone amnesty. It's just an abuse tactic. And it's sickening. Yes. All right, that brings us to the end of our trip this year. We will, of course, return in February after I've gotten through the heart of wrestling season. I will tell you right now, as I record this, I'm exhausted, so I'm glad <laughs> the season is ending. I really need the break. We actually may take it heading into December next year. We will see based upon uh, just my reflection on this past season, but... With how tired I've been the past couple episodes, it just may be worth it to do that. For now, yeah, though. And and uh, I was going to say, thank you, everyone, for uh, the great uh, year. I will be hanging out a bunch in Discord over the break, so uh, hit me up with any show ideas you have. You want to play some League of Legends or some Valorant or just want to chat. Uh, keep, uh, keep the conversation going in Discord. I will be there. Yeah, and I have Discord on my phone, so anyone who wants to communicate with me in the discord or send me a dm i'm always willing willing to talk so it's not like we're going to disconnect completely it's just i can't i don't have as much time to invest especially when i'm traveling to california and stuff i can't bring all my equipment across state borders unlike <laughs> william who brings it across the entire podcast yeah <laughs> william takes the entire podcast to germany so <laughs> All right, that we're not going to do any plugging or anything at the end here. We're just going to say what we learned, then we'll head into the outro. William, what did you learn this year? Well, Justin, I think what I learned this year is uh, it's going to take a lot of work to repair the damage that was done over the pandemic. And what that means personally for me is, I, uh, you know, there's a lot of that social interaction, and we've talked about before about the uh, interpersonal hostility. A lot of that got galvanized and really solidified and 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 um, and overly practiced during the pandemic. And uh, it's going to take years to get out of uh, get to to repair the damage that was done there. But I'm optimistic about it. Justin, what did you learn this year? Along similar lines, uh, I learned just how bad it is in the public education system and just how much worse the pandemic made it. I've sort of put myself on the front lines here in Florida in the public education system. I didn't quite do it on purpose, although I think being on this show in general has taught me I kind of have a sense for that. You know, how many th how many of these awards did we I mean we gave Donald Trump three times, right? We saw Donald yeah. Trump coming, right? We saw Ron DeSantis coming, right? We've already always been talking about Elon Musk. You know, we saw Zack Snyder coming way before the whole Zack Snyder Justice League thing. So I think we've always sort of been ahead of things. So it makes sense that I'm on the front lines. I didn't mean to, but man, Midsiders, ladies and gentlemen, like it's pretty bad out there. 
These kids yeah. are pretty apathetic. They, they don't really have values. They don't really want to do anything. And they think they should have everything. I'll leave you with this story. Uh, in my C's class, I had them do an observation speech where they had to observe a phenomenon and just describe it to people because I wanted them to get used to using evidence, firsthand evidence from their five senses and secondhand evidence that they do research what other people have to say. And one girl did a speech about entitled people. And she asked at the end, as a way of ending it, she used the you know rhetorical question way of ending it. She asked how many kids know people who are entitled and a kid proudly said that he was an entitled person. Hmm. This concludes your journey into the midside. I'm Justin Emlesneski reminding you that if things get tough, take a step back and witness the farce. Have a happy new year. All right, I'm going to go yell at a dozen teenage girls for two months now. <laughs> Have fun with that. Which is worse, yelling at uh, yelling at uh, teenage girls or trying to herd wild animals? No comment. <laughs>